It's Alex Langshire, and welcome to another episode of What I'd Wish I'd Known, the Google Partners podcast on how to be strategically tactical. This is the podcast where I get to ask industry leaders what they wish they'd known if they were starting out today. What are the hard-learned lessons of their careers to date? And of all of those lessons, which are the top five that they feel were most impactful to them? I'm looking for them to share those lessons that are both doable and practical and will produce the best bang for the effort. This is what I call being strategically tactical. Today's topic is one that I've been wanting to address since the day we launched the podcast, and it's all about the boutique agency. You know, the classic entrepreneurial trajectory is get an idea, launch the business, get a client or two, and then grow, grow, grow. Somehow, we've come to accept the notion that agency success is tied to size and that growth is therefore the goal. Certainly, our business metrics reflect this. And you can think of revenue, year-over-year growth, the number of clients, the size of the projects, but so too do our social metrics of success. I know that a really common question from clients and peers and friends is, very often, how big is your agency? Somehow, big got equated with being better and more successful. But what if that wasn't the case? What if you wanted to be small and that you rejected the idea that remaining small in any way compromises quality of the services? In other words, smaller is actually better. Enter the concept of the boutique agency. Now, I want to be clear that what I'm talking about is being more than a solo practitioner. By the word boutique, I mean consciously managing your business with a goal of limiting its size. What are the benefits and drawbacks of this model? What are the must-dos in order to make it work? How do you manage your time, your clients, your marketing, and resist the siren call of staffing up and growth? You know, I believe I found just the guest to help us discuss and explore this other model. I'm super pleased to speak today with Aleda Solis, the founder, owner, and head of the Boutique Digital Marketing Consultancy, Aura Inti. Welcome to the Google Partners Podcast, Aleda. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. That's great. Aleda, let me run through your background to provide some context about who you are to our listeners. I know that you founded Aura Inti in 2014 with a goal of providing some really personalized guidance on search to clients wherever they may be. And, and you, but you, you found that after you'd kind of built this reputation uh, online. So I know that you have a number of high profile blogs on search engine land, state of digital and Moz. I know that you're a frequent speaker and conference keynoter. You've also written a book on SEO. And, and if that wasn't already just an incredible list, Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazines named you as a key influencer in 2015 and 2016, respectively. So clearly, you come at this from a, from a really strong background. So, so I look at this, and it seems like you know, running this boutique agency is clearly a passion of yours. But if this wasn't your passion, then what would it be? Actually, it's, it's, I have this also other passions be, be, besides SEO. Of course, this SEO is like main one, uh, number one, and the one that gives me income. Uh, however, my other big passion is um, remote work and also traveling, which is something that I actually do. I have another project that is called Remoters. Remoters.net is a website where I, I provide and I share uh, resources around remote work from jobs that are remote, um, tools, uh, interviews with successful um, entrepreneurs, uh, organizations, that, and, and freelance who, who work remotely very successfully, um, 
co-livings and, and, and events regarding remote work. And, and not only for digital nomads, because that is a big buzz and trend right now, but even accomplish, yes, indeed, but even accomplish and much more mature professionals who wants just to be able to, to be location independent and, and, and to travel uh, whatever they want or even to, to, to live by the sea or by the mountain or whatever they want by still developing their career. So this is, I am a f really a big believer of it. And, and this is why I also dedicate a little bit of, of, of my time to, to that. I totally agree with you. Digital nomads and remote working, it's a huge area, um, tremendous amounts of interest from individuals, but also from companies too. So I'm sure that that's going to be a really popular site. But I want to get on with the podcast, if that's okay with you. So I need to get around and start asking the question that you know is coming, and here it is. What would be the top five strategically tactical lessons that you would share with your younger Alida self about running and managing a boutique agency? Yeah, so I think the first one, and this is very important for, I think, anyone starting a business in general, not necessarily only a boutique one, is to it start with already having established uh, brand and, and, and an authority in, in a specific field, the, the, the field where you work on, right? And this is the best way to have clients from day zero or day minus one or minus 30, I will say, because the, 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 the first, I will say, the foremost um, uh, worry of, of anybody starting a new business is if, if they will have enough clients, if there's a real necessity behind this, right? And if, if, if their services or their products are going to be needed in the market. And so the best way is that you build your, your experience, you develop your experience, you're, you're a real a specialist in, in your field. Um, and so you start working as, as an employee or, or and in other organizations. Uh, and, and if it is something that you're really passionate about, which is something very important to really allocate and completely focus on, on this and willing to, and be willing to do it like 24 seven, uh, then of course you, you, you choose your career and focus on it. And at some point it's important that if you really want to become independent and establish, establish a company to, to, to be sure that you're going to have this, this, this requirement of, of your service. And the best way to do it, I think is, is, is by doing that, that you don't, you don't wait. Yeah. You, you don't wait until you, build a business to to start building it you build the you build it since you're you're an employee for another company since since you start learning it event right that you, because you can sh share the journey of how you become become an especially how you start learning you you what you learn and 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 what you don't or what is a challenge for you right so i remember that i started learning about seo and doing seo since i was uh, in 2007 um, and, um, and, and I had, uh, a Twitter account. I started very early in Twitter and then I had my blog and, and whatever I came up with that was interesting for me, uh, from an SEO perspective, I shared about it and I talk about it and, and any release that Google did or updates or things like that, I share about it. And, and I went to meetups and I started connecting to, with other professionals in order to learn and went to conferences. So of course, you're not going to be uh, an authority in your fields from day zero, from day one. Um, that is very hard, but you start building this uh, reputation, this persona, since you are starting uh, with it, since you start specializing in it. Can, uh, so I, I, I hear you and I, I think that uh, it's, it's something you can't really argue with this idea of building your personal brand. 
But in all fairness, and I'm just going to put it out here, is that the market's much more saturated today than it was in 2007. And there's a lot more people blogging. There's a lot more people writing. There's a lot more people trying to speak. There's a lot more people. On, I mean, there's, it's just gotten a lot more crowded. And therefore, for somebody that's starting out today, building that brand is, is a little bit more of a challenge. So what kind of advice could you give to somebody who is, who's got that experience, who's done, you know, who knows the knows the subject material and has been working at writing and blogging what what what's some advice that you could give them to kind of take that to the next level yeah i will say that it, for that is also is very important to be your own uh, marketer to to think of you as a as, as a product too right um so it's the way that you establish yourself what is your unique selling proposition there are so many seos out there but what you can uniquely offer and do and 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 do it very very well and better than the rest in most cases and and how 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 do you share that how do you promote and communicate that and also that you start to build a network um and yes there there are a lot of people who who blogs who tweets etc but you don't know if they are for real right uh, so it is important that you start going to conferences even if, as an attendee uh, so people uh, are, are able to interact with you and you can really show what, what you know, like, like in, in a, in a one-to-one basis and, and in a much more direct way, I will say. So I really think that that makes a complete difference because yes, indeed it is saturated. There are a lot of people doing probably what you are doing. So it's, it's important of being maybe some of the first ones, like for example, if I was entering right now, probably uh, the, the online marketing uh, industry, potentially I wouldn't start doing SEO like I did from scratch. Maybe I will start doing more of an app optimization. If I was to start doing something much more related to mobile than, than from what I started initially, because the, the landscape is, is a little bit different and, and what is going to be required maybe in, in, in a few years is going to be different. However, so it's, it's very important to, to, to continue and to have that mindset, I think, to view as a product, uh, you, to establish your unique selling proposition to differentiate and to do the extra mile and extra work of, of, of allowing people to really know yourself as a person, not only as a professional. You know, uh, uh, aligned and agree. And I think the key thing from what you said there is that you, you need to kind of figure out what the niche is. And those niches are getting narrower and narrower with time. Um, and, and of course, with, with narrower niches comes a smaller audience base. So there are challenges there. But, you know, I, I think it's hard to argue that at some point in time, your personal brand, particularly if you're a boutique agency, are one and the same because you're really selling yourself. Indeed. Yeah. Well, let's go to your second point. Yeah, my, my second point is, especially if you want to be boutique, right? And that is the thing. You you are going to likely at some point uh, compete maybe with a big agency, right? So it's about what you can provide, what you can give that a big, very well-known, established agency uh, cannot do, right? So for, for a boutique it's about being highly specialized uh, and, and highly flexible and highly personalized. Something that likely a big agency with hundreds of people um, that not necessarily have the same experience as experience as you are, are going to be able to, to, to provide and give. So in, in my case, um, many of my clients, they come to me because they already know that I am uh, an SEO highly specialized.
specialize on doing international SEO and mobile SEO and, and technical SEO. And even like a high share of my clients actually have their own in-house SEO teams. So the ones that who come and, and, and look for me are other SEOs who need help and, and need external uh, input or validation or, or just like, yeah, like a support uh, for a specific project or a specific challenge. Indeed, um, yes. I'm just going to jump in here and say, um, are you saying that you would uh, would in, like? So I get that when you're working for a large organization, they're consulting and contracting your services. You are mm-hmm. that expert, that outside counsel expert. Um, are you also saying that you know you would supply to other agencies? And if, if that is the case, are you a white label? Are you behind <laughs> the scenes? What what does that mean in practice? Yeah, not at all. That will be a big mistake. Mistake, I believe. Uh, if if you want to be a boutique agency, then you need big clients, <laughs> right? If you cannot do many, if, if you do many, you need to, to, to set a lower price, right? Many lower price, but you cannot do many because you're only maybe three, four of you, five of you. So you cannot do volume. You need to do quality and very few projects that provide high quality, a lot of profit, big projects, right? So for that, you need to establish yourself as a highly specialized uh, professional in a specific field. And likely the type of clients that will likely tend to pay for, uh, you know, good projects are the big companies, big companies that uh, require external help, uh, specialized help. Um, And one of my unique selling propositions, actually, is that I will be able to deliver um, a service that not uh, most of agencies cannot do it because of the type of of support that I can give, the type of attention, the type of personalization, the type of experience that we'll have with me, and and the hand-to-hand highly personalized type of, of, of service that will that they will have with me. So, of course, I cannot provide this through another agency. And if I do that, I will lose completely my unique solo proposition uh, and, and the way that I handle clients. So this is the one thing. I don't need to worry about, um, I, I don't know, having a huge headcount, a huge team managing, et cetera, et cetera, because what I really like to do is to do SEO. I don't like to be managing people. I highly dislike managing people. That is what I, I don't want an agency. I want to be able to be completely focused on, on solving the challenges, uh, challenges of my clients. And this is why they hire me instead of hiring a big agency that do not only SEO, but whatever else, right? Uh, because they know that they, I, I will be the, the one handling the project and they will have all my support to do as the, the specific challenge that they, they, they have gotten in touch with me to, to, to focus. So that is why it's very important that you identify very well what you are, you are able to do that not many agencies can, right? Uh, usually, in my case, it's strategic SEO, technical SEO, in- international or e-commerce environments or, or mobile environments. Yeah, it's, it's much more complex. And, and likely, if you hire an agency to do that, and this is the typical complaint and typical big companies that come to me, it's like, oh, I hired X or Y agency. And I ended up talking with an SEO and I had even more experience than, than the, the, the agency SEO, right? So they come to me because they know that that won't be the case. And I will be the one uh, able to solve them and support them in the the way they need. Okay, so a lot of questions that that's uh, driven out for me, but I, I know mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, prior you shared with me what your five points were, and I think this kind of segues really nicely into your, your third point about uh, agency mm-hmm. size. Yeah, indeed, and that is my point number three, I will, I will say. It's very important that you're not just like a, a, a small consultancy because, okay, it happens that you are small and you haven't had the, the opportunity to grow because not 
many requests have come to, uh, your way, right? Uh, but no, since day one, that was my focus. And I knew that I didn't want to end it up like, uh, I don't know, doing operations or looking for people to have like a, I don't know, a bigger office or to, to waste my time doing uh, accountancy, things like that, right? I, I just like that. I, I quite re what I really like and where I really um, provide value is doing SEO. So since day one, I knew that I didn't want it to go more than a uh, size of uh, five people um, because otherwise I will start, I will actually will need to start doing uh, uh, a team management type of, of, of activity. Yeah, I didn't like that. And then on the other hand, I, I wanted to keep flexible. This is one thing. I don't, uh, I, I wanted to grow not in number, but in, in, in the type of projects that I, I work on. The complexity, of course, if it is much more compl uh, complex, it will tend to cost more. Uh, and and, and I, I am actually like I really have a really good profit. So when someone uh, asks me about success, uh, for me, it shouldn't be about, uh, yeah, the, the, the size of your team, but how profitable and what are the, the, the profits that you're able to generate on one hand. And then on the other hand, to, to the type of lifestyle that you're able to, to have, right? I, I can see so many entrepreneurs and, and CEOs that have like a board and, and, and they need to like, it's, it's really, really, they have a really hard life, I will say. So in my case, I really, I didn't want it to wait like for 20 years or 10 years to grow an agency to achieve X or Y type of size, to be able to sell it or to be able to, to achieve a certain point of profit or whatever, to be able to have a nice lifestyle. I really do want it to, to have it like from, from, from not to wait for so long, from, from start, right? So having a small boutique uh, consultancy allowed me to much more flexibility to work on the go. And I am a firm believer, of course, of remote work. We are, in my case, the people who collaborate with me are all remote, uh, working from whatever they want. One of them work uh, actually while traveling. I work whenever I go to, to conferences and, and sometimes I take extra holidays, vacation days after conferences, whatever uh, I am at. Uh, and I, I am able to balance that very well. So it's not only about, yeah, the size, but more about profit and your actual balance, work and life balance. And I actually have a really good one. I, I mean, whenever I am at home, I, I, I see the, the beach from, from, from my home because I, I right. live in the north, uh, in, in the north of Spain, right? So by the coast. So that is something that for me is very, very valuable. And, and something that you should have very, very clear once that you start, uh, that you're not a big agency because of, not because you don't have many clients requests right now, but because of something more important that you have an actual strategy around that of how to grow right. without being one. Yeah. You know, one of our previous guests was Helen McCabe-Young, and she's a CMO for a, a large uh, luxury hotel chain. And, and she's talked about, you know, your own personal why, kind of like the Simon Shinnick, what's your own personal why? And it seems pretty clear to me that you've got that figured out and dialed in, which is great. Um, but I, I come back to this then, and, and, and you know, starting off, you know, you're, so you're, you're, you're not a big agency, you're clearly proud of it, you're running, a, I wouldn't say a lifestyle business, really it's a boutique business where you're working with high value, high margin clients delivering uh, really specialized knowledge into them. So it's a sweet premium kind of service offering that you're delivering. How did you or how can somebody crack into that market? How did you get your first client? Because, you know, it is a very common question to smaller agencies, how big are you? 
And while I, I, I attack the basis of that question, I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective on that. How do, you, how, do you, how do you get that first client when there is a kind of a bias against the smaller agency? Well, uh, you know, I got my first client, if I remember well, I, the first thing that I did when I became independent, when I be- went solo at that point, uh, was to write a blog post and say, hey, I'm on, on my own now. And, and sometimes I got requests before that of, of clients with problems, with challenges um, that I don't know how to configure this or that or how to do this. And even if they knew that I was in-house or I was working at a bigger agency, they will get in touch with me to have that freelance type of, of help right from me. Uh, so I, I knew very well that I needed to communicate that I was now uh, working for myself and, uh, and, and accepting uh, new projects, right? So at, 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 um, it was actually by referrals of other, um, of other consultants and, and by that blog post of people, oh, now you're available. Of course, I, I, I have this coming. I, I want you on board. I need this help. Uh, so it's, it, it, is, it was really just by communicating it and saying, this is why it's very important the, to have the, per, the, 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 the personal brand going on already, right? Because they don't double question if I am able to do this because they know that I am a highly specialized on that. But it's about letting them know that you're available. And actually, what I did a lot at the beginning also was to write um, uh, not only much more specialized uh, blog posts that at the end I had like a, a little call to actions like, do you need this? Uh, let me know. For example, I, I, I actually created a website that was like, uh, where my traffic go or why did I lose my traffic actually? And, and like, with a checklist of things to check when you lose your, your organic search traffic. Um, and from that website, I got a lot of requests for, uh, for audits and, and validations for, from big migrations even of big brands. So it's, 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 it's about um, communicating that well and, start and, and, and continue doing what you likely already do, like blogging and going to conferences, but communicating and promoting very well that you're now independent and you're, on, you're now on your own. So people um, keep you in mind when they have that type of necessity. Great. How about your fourth point? Yeah, um, the fourth point is, uh, of course, having the the risk because this is the, the typical question, right? Oh, oh, you're small, you have very few clients, so when one of them go uh, or your bigger client go, um, because client will go, then 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 you 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 will have a very high risk of not having enough profits, right? Or not having like an like a, the ongoing type of of income that you oh, will need right. to to keep Just your to- yeah. Yeah, I just want to clarify. So you're saying, uh, how do you manage revenue risk? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, all right. Managing revenue. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, is, is, um, the managing the revenue uh, risk um, yeah. is, of course, still diversifying. You don't want, and at some point I have had, had those requests of like, oh my God, I would like to, to, to hire you. And I'm like, no, sorry, I'm not hireable at this point. <laughs> I, I don't want to work for anybody else but myself. Um, and then they are like, oh, but I need to, well, uh, I would like to, you know, hire like, 50% of your time, things like that, right? So you need to be careful with that, of course, and, and try to diversify as much as possible. Uh, of course, not having more than 
50% of your income coming from one client. And, and once that you take care of that and diversify as, as much as possible as you can while be keeping it small, um, there is this one very important thing, I, I think, going on, which is actually one of the benefits of being remote. You, you, you don't have this many costs connected to your operations when you are a small boutique remote agency. Uh, like when you have a big agency in, in a central or centric street of a big city where you have a really high rent, uh, high value, high, high, very expensive rent to pay. It's not my case. We all work whatever we want. Uh, so it's not something that I need to worry about, right? Uh, so, so likely I, I have like much, like my cost, operative costs are, are far lower than anybody could think of uh, when, when having an agency so that is a big big uh also advantage that i that i have yeah and so what i hear you saying is is what my cfo would say to me is that you need to manage your fixed costs mm-hmm. and, and keep them as low as possible and that makes a tremendous amount of sense and, and i get that and and i think what you're adding to that is as a boutique agency your operating model is one where you're independent individuals that are working mm-hmm. from wherever but you don't have a central office, so it's probably home office style um, and delivering client uh, service uh, remotely to clients. Does that mean you travel to clients? Yeah, sometimes I do, actually. Sometimes uh, they require like um, in-person, in-house type of training or or uh, like yeah, working days or tr- something like that, something big. Uh, so I need to go to them. But mostly we handle that, uh, I don't know, through um, project management uh, uh, software that I have for my clients or, or even that they allow me to use of their own with three clients. I have access to their Jira, actually. And is it me creating the, 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 the tasks there and, and uh, their developers like and having direct interaction with the developers and their own in-house team? So it's a very like uh, one-to-one and, and, and in-depth connection with them, whether remote or, or in person. Yeah. In fact, one, one could even say, again, going back to this idea of managing revenue risk, if when you get deeply embedded like that and you're working through the client's internal systems mm-hmm. and helping to manage those systems, it, it kind of weds you to them quite a bit. I want to go back to this point about 50%. No client is more than 50% in a boutique. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something that you learn by trial and error or... You know, can you give us an example of of uh, of what happens if you go over that? Or no, no, really, but it's, it's, it didn't happen to myself. But you know, the, the thing is, like, I work uh, for a long time for other companies. I work uh, first as a specialist and, and a bigger team at an agency, and then at at some point, I ended up being like the head of of the SEO team or and the SEO and 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 also at that point, it was also PPC team of of of, of an agency, right? So. I, I knew very well from my experience what were the risks and the typical risk of agencies like, oh, we have lost our bigger client and now we have just, and we had just hired this X or Y person a month ago. So at some point I actually had to fire one of the newer team, team members because the, all of a the sudden the, there was this 
big client that had, you know, not updated the contract for. So that is the big risk of agencies. Thankfully, and this is one of the reasons why I didn't want an agency because I, I had seen that in, in, in my own, you know, at, at, at the companies that I had worked, worked for. And I, I was the one who had to handle the situation as a head of, of, of the department, of course. Um, and that is a situation that is very unlikely to happen if you have this very well controlled type of environment in, in, in a boutique agency, uh, in a boutique consultancy, I will say. Yeah, and I just want to go a little bit further down this road before we go to our last point, and that is, you know, what happens when you reach capacity? So, you're, you, in other words, what you're saying is you're managing revenue risk by having a, a, a certain number of clients. You've probably figured out what that number should be. How do you manage that? Let's say you have client that is a, a good client, a long-term client, another client, some newer clients, and you get another client that says, hey, I'd, I'd like to work with you, and they're putting a lot of cash on the table or a larger product on the table or something really interesting. How do, you, how do you manage that? How do you fit that in how, if, if you're going to stay true to your why? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Well, you fire. <laughs> you fire your client. <laughs> you fire those. And that is the sad truth if you want to manage this, right? Um, at the beginning, when I was starting, of course, I didn't have um, the, the, the projects of the size that the ones that I have right now. The clients that I had were not as big as the one that I had right now, of course. Um, so at some point, uh, you, of course, you have a contract with them. You have a contract for six months, one year, whatever. Right, and once that that contract uh, finish, then you are able to assess. Look, we have achieved this. We have hit our goals. Like, if you want to continue, then it is like this. You will need to raise your 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 pricing uh, to match to your new levels of pricings. Well, uh, after two years or after a year, or um, you say, okay, if I, now I I I I I need to continue with all the type of projects, and then uh, you cannot continue giving them service. And you refer them to, to other people. That is what, yeah, that is the hard part, I will say. And But you need to manage it very well. And actually, this just happened to me a month ago or so. I had this, this client that was a really big client when I started uh, in 2014 uh, independently, right? But now they had become my smaller client, right? And and it, it was a high maintenance once. Even if now it was only an ongoing type of support, uh, now it came a time where they really actually needed back again a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of, of, of validation because of many changes that they were um, they were they were starting to 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 have now resources to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was completely honest with them. Sorry, but now I won't be able to continue helping you with this because you will require a type of effort uh, and, and timing and, and uh, that I don't have capacity to allocate to. Uh, so, yes. So I referred them to all the two consultants that I that I trust. And I am pretty sure that he, this, this, this company will be taken care of. And then on the other hand, they will allow me to free a little bit of time that I can allocate to bigger projects and bigger clients that are coming now. So yes, you need to manage it well because of course I really want the best for my clients even if they don't work for me. So I, I need to refer them to, to, re, to, to really some good people. Uh, but on the other hand, I cannot just keep the same client that I had uh, four years ago that have no because they have no capacity to pay me more than what they were uh, paying me at the time. It's, it's like this. At the end of the day, this is a business, uh, even if it's yeah, a boutique agency. Uh, bring us home. What's your fifth point? 
My fifth uh, point is about, yeah, uh, client expectations is, is very, very important, especially in, in, in SEO, right? And and especially when you're small and this is something is very important also when, when you have a super huge brand worldwide, like, I don't know how many people, like they just like accept that there's a bigger uh, or very established stru structure to support whatever and there are not going to be risk right however when you are uh, smaller uh, you need to give the confidence of, of clients that well, uh, and, and gain their trust and have that they have trust in you and then another big um, area here is how they will get managed or how they will operate if you are very small you at some point will want to go on vacation for example uh, when you're a big agency don't worry you will have like an extra person taking care of it completely whatever during that time when you're a small uh, boutique agency is yourself likely who will want to manage the client directly as I do with every client that I have uh, so actually th th this is the one thing I cannot I cannot go completely off uh, but there will be always times where it will be much more reasonable for them to for example one of my big uh, most important clients right now have uh, are going on holidays now in August and I know that I will have a couple of weeks that it's very likely that I will have like much a much more calmer time and it will be ideal for me to allocate a couple of days there to to be a little bit more disconnected although I have to be completely honest here it's very unlikely that I will be able to be disconnected completely right but that then again that is the beauty of being remote that that won't constrain me uh, and that would be really painful if I, if I had to be attached to an office in a big city without being able to work from whatever I wanted but it's not that bad if I am able to work to Australia or New Zealand or or uh, whatever look destination I want to go on holidays and be able to work from there. So uh, this is a, a really important point, and I want to dig a little bit further into it, and that is, you know, and you said it yourself, you don't ever really shut off. And mm -hmm. and, and, and so, you know, some different stages of life, you know, some people have families, some people don't. It's a little bit easier to not be in that shut-off mode. Um, but as the agency, I mean, as you evolve personally, the way you approach to the uh, agency, have you seen that evolve? I mean, you're... You know, I imagine you become more established and the things going on in your life and not to get too personal, but, but do you see that there would ever be a conflict there and how you might manage that? I actually, I don't think so. I think that probably more, uh, most of the CEOs of agencies anyway, even if they have a 50 uh, person or 100 person team, they actually don't show off. <laughs> even on holidays in their families, like it's likely that they don't either because they will be worried not maybe on following up on a message of a client or, or an urgent request of, something that has gone live without knowing or something like this, but they will likely have their C so COO doing something or whatever uh, big managerial problem they will likely have. So yeah, I, I, I am I am pretty confident that I really, really have a very good lifestyle and able, able to manage that in a likely better way if I had 200 people uh, back at home. <laughs> and, I, and I think that I can, I can understand why that is. And, and that is since the relationship is really a personal relationship, there's no illusions, right? When you go into the relationship with a client, there's no illusions about capacity. You're dealing with you. And as long as you're able to set, uh, you know, set parameters and establish timelines and deliverables, then that, that kind of, there's a recognition that it's an individual on the other side as opposed to a, a team. Well, Aleda, I want to thank you so very much. It's been such an interesting subject. And I know that, 
you've been really transparent in what you've shared and authentic in a lot of uh, what you've told us about how you manage that business. And if we think back to most of us in the agency space, we all started small and we all had that period where we went through the quote-unquote boutique phase. So it was really interesting to hear how you decided that that was a path you're going to take and, and being so transparent about how you manage that path today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I'm sure, Alida, our listeners are going to have a ton of questions, which they'd probably like to get answered now based on what you've shared. Um, So um, how might they connect with you if they want to reach you? Yeah, I uh, well, I am very active in Twitter actually. So mm-hmm. and and my my handle there is at Aleida, and of course on, on my website um, aleidasolis.com, uh, you can you can find me too. But yes, especially in Twitter, I am and LinkedIn too. If you look for Aleida Solis, and 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 this is the the one good thing of having a very unique and not very common name. If you search for and also being an SEO, if you search for my name in Google, Aleida, it is likely me who are going to take like at least the first five results there. So you can click on any, any of those. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, work, works great. Well, listen, thank you again so much. And, and thank you to our listeners. I want to share that the reception to the podcast so far has really been phenomenal. We're really blown away by the listens and the feedback and the reception from all of you. So a lot of gratitude to you all. If you want to reach me, you can do so just like Aleda at Twitter. I'm at A. Langshire on Twitter or via LinkedIn at Alex Langshire. If you have any comments or subjects that you'd like us or me to address in a future podcast. As always, I encourage you to listen to our back catalog, which is available on Google Play Music, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can also go to the Google Events page and listen to it there, where you'll also find a lot of additional material on each podcast. And please, Join us for our next podcast when we'll get to ask our guests about the top five things that they wish they'd known when they were starting out. <laughs>